I want to begin this morning by reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own country by another way. Father, I thank you for the birth of your son. And I thank you so much for these characters that we've considered. Joseph, King Herod... Mary, and today the wise men. And God, I pray that we right now would just sense your presence among us, leading us. Father, may your Holy Spirit lead us right now. Lead us to a place where we can understand how we can search like these wise men did. How we can search for you and answers from you like these men did. And Father, I pray that you would honor our diligent, our sincere, and our endless search for you and answers from you. Guide us right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's Christmas week. I can't believe it. Hopefully, you've done your shopping. If not, good luck. Uh, anyway, I want to, uh, encouragement, yep. Anyway, I want to uh, just uh, remind you that we have been in this series called So This Is Christmas, where we're taking a look at um, some of these characters around the Christmas story and how maybe their experience was different than their expectation, even in Jesus' birth and in their lives. And, and we're going to be, and we're taking a look, and we have been taking a look at how we can handle it and what the Bible says about that for us. Because the truth is, if we're all honest, is we sometimes have expectations that are a lot different than our life experience. And God's word has a lot to say about that. And even in the Christmas story, I think that we see that. And I love the story about these three wise men. It's okay if you want to call them wise guys. 
that's cool, all right? We can call them wise guys. Uh, and I want to take a look at these three. And before we dive in, really, to study God's Word, I, I want to talk about who they were. Because I think if we're going to discover how we can learn from them in their search for God, I think we need to understand a little bit about uh, who they were and why they were searching, all right? So let's talk a little bit about these wise men. Now, some of you may have translations of the Bible that call them magi, and that's essentially the same thing as wise men. These were men who were searching for the answers of life. They weren't just searching for God. They were searching for the answers of life. And the Bible doesn't actually say that there were three wise men, okay? I want to, like, I'm bursting the bubble. I get it. I've ruined the nativity scene for you this Christmas, right? So uh, these wise men, the reason that we say that there were three was because there were three gifts. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so sometimes tradition has led us to the place where we draw the conclusion that there were three wise men that visited Jesus. Or if you lose it in your nativity scene, there might be one or two left, like in some of ours, right? Seems like the wise men are the first ones to go, right? We really take care of the baby Jesus, and we take care of, uh, you know, um, Joseph and Mary. I almost said Moses and Mary. Joseph and Mary, uh, we really take care of them, but it seems like the wise men, there's like one that seems to be gone, or maybe even two over time. Anyway, tradition says that their names are Casper, Melchor, and Balthazar. We have no idea if that's true. That's just from tradition, and they're cool names if you're looking for a baby name. Okay, so anyway, the other thing is, is that we don't know if they came to see Jesus days after his birth, weeks, or months, or maybe even years after his birth. We have no way of knowing that. It's possible that they traveled because they traveled so incredibly far that they didn't come right away. Uh, it may have been uh, long after he was born. And, of course, Jesus and uh, Mary and Joseph, they spent quite a while in Bethlehem around Jerusalem in the outskirts of Jerusalem, so it very well could be. Now, um, these wise men would have traveled eight to 900 miles. I want you to think about that for a moment. They would have traveled eight to 900 miles. Most scholars believe that they came from the area of Persia, uh, you know, uh, modern-day Iran, and uh, they would have come from the east, as the Bible tells us, but they would have traveled eight to 900 miles. Think about this for a moment. They would have traveled eight to 900 miles. The fact of them traveling on camel is true, so that part of your nativity scene is correct, all right? So they would have traveled on camel in the desert, and most scholars believe the idea of them having heavy, um, you know, very ornate robes and clothing with crowns of jewels was probably true. So think about that for a moment. They're traveling in the desert. They're traveling on camels. They're wearing heavy. They did not prepare for this, this journey well, right? They're on camels in the middle of the desert wearing heavy clothes, can you imagine explaining that to your family? Hey, guys, dad's going to be gone for about 40 days. That's about how long it probably would have taken him. You're talking to your, your, your wife, and you say, hey, me and the guys have been talking. We're going on this golf trip. It's going to be 40 days long. Uh, where are you going? I don't know. A star is going to lead us, but we'll figure that out. You're, they're probably like, yeah, right. Dad's going to be gone for 40 days on a golf trip. Where is he going? going into the desert, probably heading west, but we don't know. We really don't know. They probably like had a lot of explaining to do, or they would have in this day and age, if they had traveled that far. But they were going because 
they had studied the scriptures. And more, more about that in just a second. Uh, a lot of people believe that the Magi were uh, astrologers, and that's definitely not true. Some people believe that they might have been astronomers, and that's partly true. But they were definitely people who put serious and diligent and sincere thought into the big questions of life. Like, what's the meaning of life? What's going on in life? Where did we come from? How did we get here? They would have spent a ton of time studying and thinking about these things. They were academics. They were scientists. So they weren't necessarily astronomers. They definitely weren't astrologers. But they did believe in the governing forces around them. And they looked to the stars to try to find what I call a God-filled void in their lives. They were searching for something, but I don't know if they knew exactly what they were searching for. They were making deductions based on, uh, based on what they saw in the stars and what they saw from the earth to determine who God was. They used science. I want you to hear that again. They used science in part to determine who God was. But they also used the scriptures. They used the prophets to determine who God was. And they were making deductions on God from science. They were theologians and they were scientists mixed together. They were people who were searching for science and they were searching for God all at the same time, which I think tells us something that we don't hear often today. And that is, is that the search for science and the search for God can be done together. Those two things do go Together, They were men who, who read and believed God's word. They sought Jesus. They recognized the worth of Christ. They humbled themselves to worship Jesus, and they obeyed God rather than man. Now, why, why were they searching? Why were they searching? Well, most likely these men would have really focused on understanding the prophets and the scrolls that they would have received, particularly the book that we call Daniel today. They would have read Daniel, and specifically Daniel chapter uh, 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 9, verses 24 through 27. They would have focused on that because contained there is a bit of a timeline of the birth of the Messiah. And they would have known from the prophets that there was going to be a star that would have given indication of where the king of the Jews would have been born. And so they set out on this search with all this knowledge, and they went for it. They began to search for Jesus. They come into Jerusalem and they begin, I think, to ask questions concerning the birth of Christ and they begin hearing that there was this baby that was born. And I want you to picture that, that probably wouldn't have been unusual in Jerusalem in that day. Bethlehem was just on the outskirts. This baby would have been born. There would have been much that was being made of this. And so these men came and they began to ask the people in the community about this one who had been born. And I'm not sure that they knew exactly where to go. And so what do you do if you're looking for a king, the king of the Jews, and no one's telling you exactly where he's been born? Where do you go? You go to the palace. You go to the palace. And so these wise men end up at the palace, and we just read about them, uh, Herod, hearing that they're, they're trying to find this one who's been born king of the Jews, and they searched, and they searched, and they searched. And of course, we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, that they found the king of the Jews. They found Jesus, where he was born. 
And so I want to find out how do we, in our search for God, what do we do when we're trying to figure out the big questions in life, when we are trying to figure out the, a solution to the big problems in life? What do we do? What do we do when we're searching for God? Let's face it. We may come from a churched or unchurched background, but at some point in time, I don't know about you, but at some point in time, I had to make a faith decision on my own. At some point in time, coming from a church background, I had to decide whether or not I believed in God, whether I believed that he was the creator, whether I believed that he, was, uh, that he did send his only son to die on a cross, and if I put my faith in him, that I would have eternal life one day when I get to heaven. I had to make it my own. And if you come from a church background, you have to make a decision at some point in time about God. And of course, if you don't come from a church background, or if you're seeking, or if you're searching, you are asking those questions. And so how do we search for God? What can we learn from these men? Three points today, three points today, and then a couple in between. Three points. I think if we are going to be searching for God, if we are searching for God, and if we are searching for the answers that we need in life from God, first and foremost, we need to search for God with diligence. We need to be people who search for God with diligence. You see, these wise men, they could have stayed in their little huddle in Persia, and they could have talked about all the prophets. They could have talked about how the stars, uh, the star were, were aligned, stars were aligning. They could have talked about this one star that was prophesied about that would lead people to the king of the Jews. They could have just stayed there and talked about it. But what did they do? They took action. They studied the scripture. They had the background of God's word. And they were diligent in their search for God. We need to be the same way. We need to be people who are diligent in our search for God. We need to be people who understand his word. More on that in a moment. We need to be people who diligently with our, our mind and our body and our heart, more on that one in a moment, are people who are searching with diligence for God. The writer of Proverbs 8 verse 17 says, I love those who love me. God says, I love those who love me and those who seek me. What's that next word? Diligently. They'll find me. See, God is going to honor our diligent search for him. When we put ourselves into it, when we don't just talk about it, when we don't just discuss it, when we don't just throw up our hands and go, I don't know. When we really sincerely are searching for him, he will answer. We will find him. Psalm 63 verse 1 says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And first and foremost, I think we can learn from these wise men, these magi, that they were searching for God with diligence. They put everything in. They put all their chips in. Think about the journey itself. I mean, it takes a lot for you to go out on that journey to search for God. It wasn't an easy thing. It was a camel. They're riding on camels. It was a diligent and exhaustive search for God. 
They traveled 800 miles. They had scientific and theological conversations. And we need to be diligent in our search for God. How do we do that? Kind of sub-points here. How do we do that? How do we take seriously and diligently our search for God? I think the, the wise men, maybe through a few mistakes and through a lot of successes, give us ways that we can be diligent. First and foremost, we've got to ensure that we're searching in the right place. We gotta ensure that we're searching in the right place. They come into Jerusalem, start asking around, and they realize we need to go ask the king. If you're looking for a king, you need to ask a king. If you're looking for a king, go to the palace. You don't go to the community. And so they went in, and as you have just heard and we just read, uh, they searched for the king. And the king, King Herod, in his arrogance, in his insecurity, pretends that he wants to worship. Jesus, too, pretends that he wants to worship this king of the Jews as well. Of course, he had another plan, didn't he? We know that from week two of our series. He had another plan, but they went to the palace. And then when they found out that Herod really had another plan, what did they do? They got back on track, and they started following the star again. And so we have to understand that we've got to ensure that we're searching in the right place. See, sometimes people are searching for God, and they're looking everywhere else for the thing that will fulfill them the most, but they're looking in the wrong place. Maybe you're looking in the wrong place. Maybe you're searching for the answer from God, but you're looking in the wrong place. Maybe you're going to conventional wisdom. Maybe you're going to, to uh, you know, some kind of philosophy that you've heard of. Maybe you're looking at the world to find the answer from God that you're looking for for a particular, uh, the answer to a particular question. Where do we go when we have questions about life in our day and age? Where do we go? Where do we go? You can, you can say where we go. Where do we go? If we have a question about life, we go Where? Yeah, you go to Google, right? Google. You can say it. They're not listening. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> you, can go to, you can go to Google to find out anything. I watch movies, and the whole time I'm like, oh, I want to see if that's real. Is that true? Google. Let me Google that. Let me find out if that's real. What did that actor play? I don't know. What is it? Like, how do, I, how do I redo drywall? Go to Google. You can go to Google for the answer to anything in life. Except the spiritual things. Because if we search in the world for the things of God, we're making a huge mistake. We're making a huge mistake. Are you looking in the right place? These wise men, they began to make their own deductions and intuitions about where they should look, and it almost got them off course. They got back on course, and they began, once again, to look in the right place We've got to find the right people. We've got to find the right people. Even Herod, look at verse 3 of Matthew chapter 2. When Herod was trying to find out about the king of the Jews, what did he do? He gathered together, verse 3, he heard this. He was troubled, all Jerusalem with him. And what did he do? Verse 4, he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they used the prophets to say, yes, he could be born in Bethlehem. It's very possible. And even Herod was looking, in the, uh, uh, you know, looking to the right people. 
But here's the thing. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you on this. If you're looking for God or you're looking to fill that God-sized void in your life and you have people who are encouraging you on the things of the Bible but not pointing you to Jesus, you're following and looking to the wrong people. There are so many people that will open up God's word and they'll point you to all the, all the things in God's word. They'll give you all the right answers. But if they don't point you to Jesus at the end of the day, be careful who they're pointing you to. Because I promise you, he is the answer. So ensure that you're asking the right people. And then if we are going to search for diligence, not only are we going to search in the right place, not only are we going to ask the right people, but we're going to use the right source. This is where the wise men had it right. They used God's word as the source. And it was the thing that anchored them. Verses 5 and 6, when the scribes and the chief priests, they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, uh, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. All of a sudden, the wise men are like, okay, we're out of here. We're going to follow a star again. Because that's what the word of God says. That's what the word of God says. Ensure that you're using the right guide. Ensure that you're using the right source. You see, the scripture led them in the right direction. And so often, so often, we read the directions of life from every other source but God's word. And if you're getting tired of hearing me say that the last four weeks, I'm sorry. That's the whole point. Is that we use everything else and we completely miss the exit. How many of you have ever been traveling and missed the exit? You ever been traveling and you missed the exit? Anybody travel on I-95 north to Hilton Head and miss exit 8? <laughs> That's a huge mistake, isn't it? Am I right? That's a 45-minute mistake. Come on. State of South Carolina, come on, please. Can't we get one exit in between exit 8 and 24 or whatever it is? Like, that is a terrible mistake. Unless you're bold enough to drive through the median and turn around. That is going to cost you time. And usually for our family, it's at the end of a trip and somebody's irritated. And other people are hungry, the rest of the family. And so, like, that mistake can be bad if you miss exit 8. Sometimes we're looking at the wrong map. Sometimes we've got the wrong source. I want you to hear Christ follower. I want you to hear those of you who are searching, those of you who are wondering, those of you who are skeptics. God's word is the right source to lead you to Jesus. Alistair Begg, I used him a lot in preparation for this message. One of my favorite pastors, Scottish pastor, um, he says, allow the things of life to point you to Jesus, but don't be hijacked by the star. Don't be hijacked by the star. You ever get hijacked by the star? Start wondering about the things in the Bible. You go on this discovery in your search for God and answers from God, and all of a sudden you're caught up in the minutia of, of God's word, which is awesome, which is great, except sometimes that's our lid. 
And essentially what Alistair Begg is saying is at some point in time, we just have to believe the star. Was it, was it a conglomeration of stars that gave them that light that night? Was it the moon? Was it perhaps planets that aligned? Let's go back in history and see how that might have happened because of the stars and astronomy. And he says, just believe that it did happen at some point in time. We can't get hijacked by the star. We have to be hijacked by Jesus. We have to be captivated and obsessed by him. So search for God with diligence. Secondly, search for God with sincerity. Secondly, search for God with sincerity. I have so many friends and so many people who have and are searching for God who don't believe in God. And they're looking to science and they're looking to the things of this world to tell them about God. But they discount, they go into the search discounting that God could possibly be the answer. And that's not a sincere search for God or the things of God, is it? That's insincere. That's an insincere search for God. We, we need to search for God and the answers from God with sincerity. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me. You will seek me when you seek me. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your mind. Is that what it says? <laughs> no. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your, your body, your whole thing. No. What's it say? You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your what? Say it with me. With your heart. With your heart. We have to be sincere about our search for God. Jesus says, ask in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Ask and seek and knock. And those are action items, aren't they? They're sincere. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And by the way, this isn't what some churches and some pastors have made it. Knock on that door of a million dollars because you deserve a million dollars, and God has a million dollars for you. And that may be the case, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about spiritual blessings here. He's talking about eternity. He's not talking about prosperity. He's talking about eternity. If you're here today or you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're unsure and you've been asking and you've been seeking or like a friend of mine, you literally tried every religion. You put every single religion to the test. My friend, one day on a drive from one visit of work to the next, decided that he would just ask God, and after searching in every other religion, literally stopped his car, got out of his car, and said, God, I believe. I believe. Ask and seek and knock. Listen, if you're searching for God and discounting God, it's not a sincere search. It's not a sincere search. But you like discounting science and the search for science. It's insincere. But many people discount Jesus at the beginning of their search for God. And I want to encourage you to be sincere. 
to be sincere, to put serious thought, to be diligent, put serious thought, but to be sincere and put serious passion into searching for God and answers from God. Alistair Begg also said this. I love this. He says it much more beautifully than I think it has something to do with his Scottish brogue. Anyway, he says, God will not pander to our intellectual arrogance, but he will respond to our intellectual integrity. If you're searching for God right now, please don't divorce science from faith. The more that you look into God's word, you'll find that it's there. You'll see that it's there. You'll see that he was the creator of all things. And so we've got to search with diligence. We've got to search with sincerity. And lastly, and maybe most importantly to those of you who are already Christ followers, believe it or not, is we must search with perseverance. We must search for God with perseverance. We must never give up searching for God. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose, when it went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. They had gone to Jerusalem. They had gone to the palace. They didn't get the answer, but once they started following the star again, the child was there. There was Jesus, and they found him, and they didn't give up. I would imagine that when they went into Jerusalem after traveling for so long, after putting so much thought and diligence and background into their search, I would imagine that they probably wanted to just throw their hands up and go, well, I guess we're not going to find them. Let's go back home. Our family's going to be disappointed because this has been a waste of time, a colossal waste of time. But let's go home. And that's how we treat God. We just give up when it gets tough. We don't, when we don't find what we're looking for, when the searching gets monotonous, when the searching becomes what we think is silly, we just quit. And 1 Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek the Lord with his strength. Seek the Lord and his strength and seek his presence continually. Seek his presence continually. Never give up searching for God and the answers that we need in life from God. Christ follower, don't quit when it gets boring. Don't quit when it gets monotonous. Don't quit when it just gets old. Don't quit when we think that our experience, listen, and our intelligence outweighs God's. Keep on searching for God and the answers from God. Seek the Lord and his strength and seek his presence. That last word, continually. You know what it means in the original language, in our language? It means continually. It means don't give up. It means don't throw in the towel. It means get up off the mat and keep on searching for God and the answers from God. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And Father, I thank you so much that you're a God who allows us to seek for you. Thank you that you are a God who loves it when we pursue you. 
Thank you for a God who is standing there, being a father with his arms open wide, ready to meet our every need. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be people who are diligent in our search for you, who are sincere in our search for you. And God, in our search for you, I, thank, I pray that we would be people who persevere. God, help us to never give up searching for you. And Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus right now, I pray for those who may be in this house, who may be in this room, or who may be listening to the sound of my voice, and maybe they have been searching for you, and they've never found you. They never had that moment when the star stopped and shone light on you. Right now, things are adding up. Things are making sense. Maybe there's someone right now in the sound of my voice who has never put their faith in you, and today is their day of salvation. I want you to know if you've been searching for this God-filled void in your life, I want you to know that God sent his son that we celebrate at Christmas to live a life, a very short life of 33 years, but he sent him on purpose for you because he loves you and he cares for you. And he sent him to die on the cross to take your sin, to take the punishment that you deserve, that I deserve, that we all deserve with him, so that when your time on this earth ends, you can live with him forever. Right now, I want to invite you, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, to make that decision right now. Maybe you've been looking in the wrong place. Maybe you've been asking the wrong people. Maybe you've had the wrong source. But right now, it's all making sense. And even if it's not making all the sense in the world, God is calling you to trust in Him. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you've never prayed this, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior. You can pray it to God however you want. But I want to encourage you to follow this pattern right now with me, just you and God. God, thank you for coming to this world. Thank you for dying on a cross. Thank you that today I found you. And right now I admit that I'm a sinner and my sin keeps me from you. But you died on that cross for me and I accept you, Jesus as my Savior. Help me now to live for you. If any of you in this room, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if any of you prayed that prayer or something like it, I want to pray for you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand for a moment. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you. Anybody pray that prayer this morning? Father, I pray for those of us who are Christ followers. God, maybe the searching for you has gotten monotonous. Maybe it's gotten a little dead. Maybe it's gotten a little dry. Maybe we've thrown our hands up in the air and said, you know what? I'm just going to go back. I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to start the search over. This doesn't seem to be working. Father, I pray that you would help us to persevere. Father, I pray for that family who's in here and in the sound of my voice who 
maybe on the verge of something very, very difficult at home. God, I pray that you would help them to seek you out. God, they would search for you. God, I pray for the businessman or woman who's in the sound of my voice right now who is just at the end of themselves in terms of their business, trying to figure this all out, and nothing seems to be a solution. Father, I pray that they would continue to search for you. God, I pray for marriages that need to be restored. Children who are far from their mothers and fathers that you may be calling them back. I pray that you would give parents just that extra faith to to get on their knees and to ask for you to lead them once again. Father, I pray that we, your people, as we search for the answers to the difficult questions of life. God, I pray that we would be people who are diligent, who are sincere. Most of all, I pray that we would persevere in our search for you, that we would never, ever, ever, ever give up searching for you. We love you. Thank you so much for sending your son. Pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.